Welcome to Cash Call. Listen live as expert sales trainers give actionable feedback on real calls while you learn coaching tips directly from the professionals. All right, Cash Call, everybody. Dale Archdeacon and not Brian Curtis back again for another week for Cash Call. In fact, what I have is Rachel Chu. For those of you who don't know who Rachel Chu is, she's actually one of our trainers for smart sales coaching. But more importantly, Rachel Chu is actually the director of sales for the Whistle Realty Group. And if you don't know who Whistle Realty Group is, don't they sell all the houses in California or just Southern California? That's the goal. Trying to, right? So they are an amazing uh, company. Uh, they have 83 agents and six ISAs. And so somehow Rachel hasn't figured out that her star power has far outweighed my humble coaching company. Uh, and she's still a coaching a coach and trainer for us. So Rachel, thanks for joining us today. Happy to be here. Excited. Yeah, excellent. So we are going to review a call today. You're going to actually get some feedback from Rachel, who's an amazing rock star trainer. And uh, so Rachel, why don't you just tell us a little bit, like, I'm sure that people listening here are like, oh my God, 83 agents, six ISAs. That's insane. Like, how do you how do you manage that stuff day to day? Uh, just give us the high level on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely drink a lot of caffeine, so that helps out for sure. Um, but I think a lot of it comes down to having really good systems, having good structure and support. So that way um, we're able to, from a high level, make sure that agents are feeling supported in a very... Um, a structured environment. And so we're helping them to succeed. So we've got a lot of systems in place that help us manage, keep us accountable, that show us data that we need to look at in order to keep everything running smoothly. Great. All right. So I know, you know, obviously we do scripting and dialogue training. We've serviced or served, you know, the real estate industry for a long time now, helping people implement inside sales into their businesses you know, and having you as one of our trainers is is key and, and it's amazing. Um, but I'm sure that people are, you know, there's a lot of different ways that people utilize ISAs, a lot of different configurations. So can you just give us the whistle groups, uh, whistle realty groups, sort of ethos about how you implement your inside sales agents and what they do and how they serve your team? Yeah, absolutely. So we're kind of unique in that we have our in-house, our um, ISAs are in-house. And so that means they're in office. Um, we all work together. We have a whole wing of the office um, that is just for the ISAs. Um, we know it's a hard job. Um, anybody who's been on the phones, I started there. I, I know that it's a tough gig to get rejected all day and have a lot of people, you know, tell you who knows what, right? So one of the things that we do differently is we uh, prioritize having a good culture and kind of being there together. And we found that having ISAs in person really helps some of the burnout that is typical in that role, because let's be honest, it's a hard job. Um, so that's one of the things that I think we, we do differently is we do have them all together in person. Second thing from a, a more um, business-wise, I guess, perspective, if we want to go that route is um, we have ISAs work all of our internet leads. So any kind of top of funnel lead that we know has a lower conversion, um, website leads, form leads, PPC leads, um, any, any sort of form of internet lead all comes through our ISA department. Um, and so the reason that that works so well is we know that agents don't want to call leads, right? Like nobody got into this business to be on the phone, right? We want to be face, agents want to be face to face and we want to support our agents in doing that. And so we found that by having a specialized role of ISAs, people 
people whose only job is to call people to nurture the follow-up, we're able to support our agents with now ready a business and appointments that's keeping them focused on the 90 days, you know, that 90-day conversion cycle where our ISAs can take anything beyond 90 days up to several years and nurture them until they're ready to meet face-to-face with an agent. So, you know, being in the trenches, I know you've got 83 agents and six ISAs, right? So I'm going to guess that not all 83 agents are getting appointments from those six ISAs. That would be rough. How do you, how do you make that? What, what's the determination? How do you decide who gets appointments and who doesn't? Yeah, so we uh, have our, we're we're a little bit specialized in how we, our company takes leads. Um, So we have lead teams and one of the lead teams that agents can be on at our company is the ISA lead team. And so we have a select group of about 20 or so, 25 agents, I believe, who are taking those ISA appointments. And so those are also the top converting agents on our team as well as it's our most expensive uh, department to run. It's, it's pretty costly. So we want to make sure that our top converters are, are getting those appointments. So Great. Um, I want to I ask a few more. I'm enjoying this. I want to ask a few more questions for our audience. How do you decide or what's the function that you use? So an ISA takes a lead, turns it into an appointment, assigns the appointment, however they assign it, an agent takes the appointment. Is there any sort of recapture process that you have that if that agent hasn't converted it or turned it into a deal within a certain period of time that you recapture it by your ISA department or does it just float with the agents? Yes, no, we're, we're very structured here. So um, if that lead meets, uh, let's say we, we set the appointment, the ISA sets it, they meet with the agent, the agent does more discovery and determines that the client is in fact not ready to transact within the next 90 days to maybe six months max. Um, at that point, we have a whole form system. We're very system heavy here at Whistle. And um, the we have a lot of automations on the back end, but essentially it gets kicked back to the ISA if it's a warmer cold lead once we've done more discovery. And the ISA is responsible for follow-up for nurturing them until they become ready again um, to meet with the agent. You know, if they need to work on their credit score, they actually need to save more money or you know, X, Y, and Z, any reason why they wouldn't be ready and willing to transact now. And then the ISA monitors that follow-up and um has the ball in their court on that until again, they, they become ready. So it's all based on stage for us. So where the client's at motivation wise, ability wise, financially, um, it, the agent will be uh, required to take the, the brunt of the follow-up if they're ready now. And if they're not, the ISA is in charge of that. Okay. And do you keep it with the same agent that met with that lead first? Do you honor that initial meeting? Unless, or is it okay? Yes. Uh, Exactly. Unless for some reason the lead expresses that they did not like the agent or they didn't jive well, or, you know, there was some feedback there, but um, we do honor that system. If, if, if the meeting was fine, but they're just not ready, um, they're attached to the, the follow boss profile. We're good with that. And they will send them back when they are ready. Okay, great. So those are some high level questions and you, I'm going to, I'm going to save you and not like open it to the questions here because I know people could like keep us on here for the next three hours peppering you with questions about how a high level team operates in that way. So let's shift it, go back to the spirit of cash call and let's talk about scripting and dialogue, right? Let's let's go back to the ISAs, right? The boots on the ground, the guys and uh, gals for lack of a better word that are having the conversations with these leads. Can you give us any insight as to 
uh, I'm trying to formulate my question here. What I'm looking for is what are the things that you've learned about training ISAs and getting them up to speed quickly where they can have really great conversations with people and convert at the highest level possible? Have you, have you come across or do you have, have you developed any strategies or techniques that you would want to talk about for doing that? Yeah, I think I think it starts with hiring the right person who has the capacity to do the job and who wants to do the job. So a lot of times um, in my experience, when you're looking to hire an ISA, typically it's a frenzied kind of uh, hire where, oh, we're overwhelmed. We need somebody to help us out. And we make a hire too quickly because we need to get a body in there. And then when we just get any body in there to try to help support, you know, we know that doesn't always work out because they may not be the right fit. Um, so the coaching and training and finding the right person for the job starts at that square one. And if you if you're able to find somebody who wants the job, who has the capacity to do the job and can exhibit sales skills, then from there, the training and coaching can make them into whatever they need to be to be successful on the phones. But I think that the biggest thing is we have to start with the right person from scratch. You cannot train everybody to do this specific job because it's difficult. It, there's a lot of rejection involved. Um, there's usually a lot of turnover in this position because the work is difficult. So a lot of it starts with finding somebody who has the grit, the tenacity, who has a desire and a why to do the job. And those are the people who can then be trained. Okay. And so do you start out teaching these ISA scripts or do you, do you teach them? Uh, how, what do you teach them? How do you teach them? Let's say in the first week, I get signed on with you. I'm going to be an ISA for you. What am I learning in the first week? How do you on ramp me? Sure. So besides the obvious things of, you know, when you're joining any company, you learn the systems, you learn the company, all the stuff that is involved there. As far as scripting is concerned, and as we talk about this on a cash call podcast, um, I think the most important thing is first understanding, uh, I like to strip it down to understanding how the ISA themselves feels about sales. Um, I want to know what their thought is, if they have any limiting beliefs about uh, calling people on the phone about um, selling in general. And I want to work past those beliefs and shift their mindset into understanding that sales is not, uh, you're not a bad guy because you're in sales, right? Which is kind of the, a lot of, uh, kind of our subconscious belief about sales. So I want to work through that and have a lot of conversations. And once we can move past where we're now seeing the mindset as, hey, this is a great opportunity. I'm not being a pest. I'm not being a bother. Now we can focus on tactical scripting. Um, we can focus on tonality. We can listen to calls that are good calls that are bad we can compare them and we can work on those those scripting drills but it starts i think with under you know that underlying psychology of how do you feel about being in sales and how do you feel about phone sales most people will have a negative connotation of what that means and we have to work past that first to to get to that good scripting yeah you know the reason i'm so interested in this is because you deal in uh, a scenario where you're bringing in people and you're teaching them how to do at a very high level what agents oftentimes struggle in their business with because they're unwilling to do or unwilling to learn. And so in unpacking this and being able to talk about what it is that enables you to make these ISAs successful, I'm hoping that the listeners here who may be ISAs, I'm sorry, maybe agents or team leaders themselves can really glean from that. Like, what, 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 you know, you first talked about mindset, which is huge, right? Because the, the difference in mindset between I'm bothering these people, uh, I, I don't want to be rejected versus I'm going to be fired if I don't get in front of these people and have these conversations, right? Like 
the, the two different sides there, like an agent saying, oh my God, I'm afraid to have these conversations. I'm scared. I'm just not going to do it. In, and instead just, you know, not do business versus the ISA who knows they're going to lose their job if they don't do this. And they have to be in the right mindset in order to do it. I think that's a huge one for people to hear. So a lot of times these agents need to figure out how can I get more into the mindset of being an ISA? So I think that's excellent. Um, Oscar Montalvo asked a question, if you have in-house ISAs or outsourced to, he said specifically the Philippines, but I'll just say, uh, do you have in-house ISAs or do you outsource? For our ISA role, we have all in-house ISAs who are all local and live in San Diego. Um, we have a wonderful international team of uh, VAs from the Philippines that we use in other areas of our business, but our ISAs are all in-house and local. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, so let's go back to the training of the ISAs. And then what we'll do is we'll play the call, uh, this call that we have today, and we'll, and we'll talk about it. Um, all right, so first week, we're working on mindset, right? What else are we doing in the first week? When do we start? What's, what's your like down and dirty methodology for teaching me what to say, what to ask, and how to be on in a call with these leads or how to interact with them via text or, or email? Yeah, I think... <laughs> There's not really a simple answer since I am always trying to evolve that process and I don't think I've gotten it right 100% of the time. And so as we've kind of evolved and grown, I try to figure out what, what's working, what's not working. I think the main thing comes down to teaching somebody how to ask questions to understand rather than to respond. So, right. So a lot of the scripting training, right. We can plug in, we can use scripts. We can talk about, you know, Hey, we have to LP mom or ask certain questions and all that's good and well, but if we don't know how to respond to the answers in order to create a genuine conversation, it feels any scripting just feels like a Q and a session, right? It feels like an interrogation and we're just reading and asking and answering questions. And <clears throat> then it becomes more like a customer service rep, uh, situation rather than a salesperson. So the biggest thing as far as tactical training is how I think showing by example, right? A lot of times, a lot of people who come into this role don't have anything to compare it to. So they're starting from scratch. So being able to have calls that are examples of good calls and are examples of not so good calls. <clears throat> so they can kind of look at that. Let's dissect it together and figure it out, which is another reason this podcast is so great is it gives us gives people opportunities to see what does that actually look like? What does that sound like? And so most people learn by doing, by, by having that experience. And you can't just say, well, here's some things to say, hope it works out. And so right. having, you know, Hey, here's an example of what it looks like. How can you now um, emulate that similar, you know, the, that kind of call or those kind of question answering techniques rather than just starting from zero and giving them a script. Yeah, that makes sense. Let me address a web a chat in here from Henan Foreman. Uh, they asked, can you give us a few ISA companies contact info for hires? So Rachel's company hires internally. Rachel uh, generally follows a process that's very similar to the process that we from Smart Sales Coaching teach our clients to follow in terms of, of doing those hires to hire in-house. So Henan, uh, my, uh, our admins that are moderating this can drop a link to our website in the chat. Basically, you can hit us up we take on consulting clients to teach them how to do what Rachel and uh, Whistle Realty Group, Group does to hire uh, their in-house ISAs. That's what we do. That's the best way to go about it that we've that we've found and apparently the best way that they've found, which is hiring in-house. Um, 
uh, ESIS is listing. ESIS, just drop it. Well, you can find it by going to that link and just clicking around uh, if you get to our website. All right, great. So uh, I think that's excellent. You're playing what they is right, showing them good examples, showing them bad examples. How long does it typically take before you would say that uh, your ISA, like you can take the training with? Well, actually, how quickly do you have them having real conversations with leads? So uh, that's a little more complicated. So typically what I'll do is within the first week, if we want to kind of break down a, a general, is we'll do kind of a systems training. Welcome to this is your job. This is how you use all of this stuff. Let's get our mindset right. <clears throat> and then usually around week two, we'll start doing uh, actual scripting. So a lot of it is role play with myself. Um, hey, let's, let's, here's the situations. We'll start with buyers. We'll move on to sellers. You know, here's, let's do a lot of role play feedback. How, here's the questions to ask. And then we do a lot of micro scripting as well. So breaking it down, Hey, let's just nail your intro over and over. Right. So a mix of let's do a whole call and then let's just focus on one part of, of the script or the, you know, the, the phone call that you would, you would have. So it's a lot of drills. Then I have them learn from each other, right? Practice with the other ISAs who are already here. Um, I challenge them to find their own groups. There's so many amazing groups within Facebook. Role play with somebody else, right? I don't unfortunately have the, the time or capacity to always be there with them or have that hands-on training the whole time. So I want them to be able to do that with other people. Yeah. So they start with that. And then once they've I've uh, vetted that they have enough skill to have a conversation, may not be perfect, but they know what questions to ask. They know how to qualify or disqualify somebody. I'll have them call through the pond, which is just, you know, our dead kind of lead uh, pool that we have in our CRM. So that way, if they make mistakes, a lot of those leads are archive anyway, they're, they're tougher, but they get to practice those reps in. And then I have, they have a certain amount to get out of the pond. They have to have X amount of set appointments or X amount of met appointments to get them out of the pond and working the more expensive new leads. Yeah, that makes sense. It's so funny when you said that, because <laughs> that's the process that we follow too. Like when we help clients build an inside sales department for themselves, part of our recruiting process includes having these ISA uh, candidates typically call old leads. And so, you know, when you have a company that does this actively and they're maintaining an ISA department and you're moving people in and out, I, I just like, <laughs> I'm thinking of of those, you know, the the crappy old leads that just keep getting called by different people over and over again. You know, like they're the ones who keep getting practiced on. It's it's hilarious to me to think of that. There's um, definitely those people, and they've been marked in the database. Don't call this guy, or we, we try <laughs> right. to play with the filters, but that definitely that definitely exists. Those yeah, take them yeah. one for the team. <laughs> yeah, take one for the team. Another uh, technique that I found. And, you know, I don't know if you have enough leads that you wouldn't need to do this, but sometimes when we work with clients and they don't have a lot of old leads or they've been really actively working them, what we'll do is set up a scenario where um, they, the ISAs have to circle prospect, right? So you just take, take a huge batch of numbers that you run through the DNC and then you give them an assignment that basically they have to get contact information and they have to get X amount of X amount of people to give them like their email address and permission to send them stuff as a way to let them graduate out. Because if you can do circle prospecting and you can get somebody to give you their email address and you can get good at making that happen, then you're usually good enough that you can be speaking to some lower cost leads. Absolutely. Love that. Yeah. So, you know, those are some things that I've done with clients in the past uh, that wanted to implement inside sales. Uh, okay, great. So before we listen to the calls, there anything else that you is there anything you have burning that you want to point out to these people, knowing that they're here, 
to get inspiration or to hear about how to convert leads and deal with issues and overcome objections and yada, yada, yada. And you have a team of people whose sole responsibility is to do that every single day. Yeah, I guess my one piece that I would share, um, whether you're an ISA, an agent, a team leader looking to help up levels your scripting or, or whatever that might be is the more that your salespeople can think of the people they're talking to as people and not leads, conversion will go up. So in summary, there's a lot of rifts that we can go rabbit holes down for what that means or, or how that's put into practice. But at the end of the day, we are calling people. And so when we think of them as that, as people with emotions, with reactions, um, it becomes a lot easier to deal with rejection. It becomes a lot easier to convert because we are thinking them of them as other humans and we have that empathy level. And so kind of shifting that mindset from, hey, I'm just calling names and phone numbers to, hey, I'm talking to real people um, can both help your own mindset about how you feel about rejection from calling and it can also help you convert because now you're thinking you're you're creating a more human and genuine connection with them you know what's funny is i'm thinking about our trainer meeting that we just had yesterday actually do you remember when kane asked me when we were doing sort of a role play and i was calling out the the team leaders the clients right of that that role play and and I was talking to those clients as though I was their sales manager. And Kane said, would you really talk to the client that way? And I said, if they're looking for guidance, I absolutely would, because I just assume the position of guiding these people and leading these people and helping them, right? And it's not sort of, you know, me versus them, or somehow we're different from each other. It's that they're here to be led, they're here to be helped. And by by the same extension, what I find when converting leads, similar to what you just said, which is every single consumer that I talk to, I just consider myself their partner. Whether they know it or not, we're partners. We're making decisions together. And if that partner says not now or not under these circumstances or not with that person or not at that price, I just want to understand how my partner's making business decisions and whether I agree with them or not. And I like to teach that to salespeople so that it helps do what you said, which is puts them on the same side of the table with that consumer so that they can approach it from a, a, a business partner or a, a decision-making partner perspective. And I think that really helps a lot. Love that outlook. Yeah. It just helps build empathy and understanding that if you didn't have it through that lens, you may, it may end up feeling more like a, well, I think this, you think this, um, if, if we think of each other as partners, you know, how do we understand each other and, and elevate each other and help us make the best decisions to move forward? I think that's great. Yeah. And, you know, when we work on objections, uh, when we're teaching students objections, right, it's, and I like to say people don't say stupid shit because the because mm -hmm. they want to say stupid shit, they say stupid shit because they think it's right. You know, a yeah. consumer objects to you or a consumer says they're going to do whatever or not do whatever, based on the math that they've done in their head based on what they think what they've perceived what they've experienced and how they've, they've worked it out in their heads. And so approaching it from that angle really causes you to say, I need to understand how you came to that first, right? I need to understand how you're thinking, how you did the math and whether what you're saying is the right decision. You know, sometimes somebody who isn't going to buy for a while or isn't going to sell for a while or isn't going to buy or sell under certain circumstances is right. You know, we can't right. figure out a better way to solve the problem, but uh, a lot of times we can, but we have to understand how they've done the math first. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I want to play this call. And I know that you listened to it before. And this is a call from from our company, one of our trainees. 
uh, from our trainer, Lori. Actually, I want to show this. So everybody who's watching on video, Rachel is actually in the background on one of our promo. There it is, my finger. The promo right here. She's in the background. So our other trainer, Lori, this is her call. I'm um, not that short, by the way, for anybody watching. I'm actually taller. So they, they did. Sure. I know. I don't know <laughs> when they laid that one out. That was really weird. I feel like we have to fix that and pull pull you up a little more. No, it's all good. Uh, so this came from Lori, one of our trainers, and it's a really short one. And there's a couple things I want to talk about here. Let me share my screen. I'm so glad that we've gone back to Zoom. It's so much easier. There's share screen. Okay. Here we go. I'm going to hit play. Just give me a thumbs up when you can hear it. Hello. Hello, Lizzie. Uh, this is Matt Peterson. I'm a realtor with Swell Realty here in Tyler, and I just got notified that you register on our website to take a look at some properties. Were you just looking yeah. for fun, or are you working with some kind of a timeline to purchase? All right, good. So he executed our script that we teach, right, which is some variation of uh, window shopping or buying in the next few months, right? Yep. I think he's done a really great job here so far. Great intro. Upbeat. He sounded, you know, relatively excited to talk to her. Yep. No, we were just looking for fun, but we saw a large property. It was some acreage out towards Bullard across from yeah. Emerald Bay. And I was trying to find that yeah. property online to see what it was. Okay. So she said they're just looking. They found some big property with acreage, right? And she was looking online to find it. Okay. <laughs> yes, do, you, do you need help to find it or do you guys want well, to I couldn't find it. Person, oh, sorry. I have a chicken in my hand. Uh, we were just trying <laughs> to look for information for it, like how big it was and the cost and everything. Sure. We're looking, but we're probably not looking for the next two years, but we're of course checking okay. out options and figuring out what we're doing. Probably not looking for the next two years, right? So Rachel, you know, we teach everybody uh you know when we're working with students we say when do you want to when do you want to sell somebody a house or when do you want to list somebody's house right now right now right so the this woman just said not now and so what we teach is investigate that follow that no right run that down so this is where we would this is a teaching moment for this student that we would then go over in this call with him and we'll hear what he did next sure well, I'm driving right now, um, but let me get home and uh, see if I can find it. You said, it, is it right across from Emerald Bay? All right. Go ahead. I was just going to say, so this is where I see so many calls go wrong. Um, not that what he's doing is bad, but I think when we get so focused on the specific property, we pigeonhole ourselves as a, a source of value to the client. So he he didn't focus on what she liked about it, why the acreage was important, what she was looking for, ask deeper quest, discovery questions on that, but rather just focused on, I'm in the car, I can't pull up the property right now, therefore my value here is, is done. So he kind of shut the door on himself mm -hmm. uh, to be value uh, add to her and to show himself as, a, as somebody who can help her solve her problem by... Um, assuming that his only way that he could assist her was to pull up a specific property and give her information that is probably online that she could pull up herself anyway. Yeah, exactly. And so what I'd rather see him do is stay in this conversation to build rapport, at least. Like you said, like Rachel said, get detached from the property, 
focus on building rapport and presenting yourself as a problem solver, or not even, you don't even have to present yourself as a problem solver. As you build rapport, they will assume that you are a problem. They will regard you as a problem solver. Uh, and, and I want to point out the obvious here. His call is recorded. He doesn't need to write anything down. Just have the conversation. Just let it fly, man. Like stay in there, have the conversation, spend at least a few more minutes with this person building the rapport because it's all getting recorded and you don't need to worry about taking notes, even though you're in the in the car. And that's something that I've I constantly tell clients, right, is make sure that you have recording turned on, because when these leads come out of the blue and you're in line at the grocery store, when you're in, in the car, you're picking your you're watching your kids soccer game. You can still have the conversation and know that it's getting backed up so you can go and review it and get your notes from it later. Love that. A hundred percent. And I think in this moment, when people get stuck on, it's about the property. We have to, as agents and as trainers, help people understand that the property is just one thing. This is just what has their attention right now, but it's not the big picture of why they want to do something. So when we get yeah. so attached to the property as agents and we have to have the info and we got to have the property pulled up or we can't help, we're missing out on, to your point, the biggest bite of the apple, which is building the rapport, right? Because if we build enough rapport, it won't matter that we were in the car, that we don't have the property now. We get permission to get access to more information that they want to tell us by just building that rapport. So I, yeah. I agree that opportunity there. And and we both know how this plays out. We'll play it for everybody else. But here's what I'll say is uh, at the end of this, we'll recap and we'll look at what the big pieces of information are that she's dropped that are the opportunities for us to build rapport around and and really flesh this person out. Yeah, like literally right across from him. Okay. okay. All right. Well, let me see if I can dig it up and uh, see what's up about it. And uh, okay. uh the other thing is, let me see if I can dig it up, tells you that this agent you're talking to is not the listing agent, right? Yeah, so it's implied. We can help it. Yeah, you're better off rather than let me see if I can dig it up. You're better off going with, did you have specific questions about that property, right? If you're going to get fixated on property, did you have specific questions about it? What you want to try to do is you want to bait the person into asking a very specific question about the property that you could easily not be able to answer immediately. Hold on. Sorry, my follow-up boss is freaking out. I thought it was mine. <laughs> <laughs> I forget to close my follow-up boss in the background. Um, do you, you know what I mean, right, Rachel? Because oh, let's say that I let's say I list a property, right? And I could, let's say I'm the listing agent and some, I can get somebody to ask me a really specific question that wouldn't be normal knowledge. Then it's easy for me to say, Hmm, you know what? Let me just double check with the sellers on that one. I don't want to give you the wrong information without revealing the fact that I'm not the listing agent for the property. And I love that. I love touch, that you touched on something that I always train both the agents and ISAs is the, the term sellers is always going to get you further than using the term listing agent. Never even say that, right? I'm going to check with the sellers, right? They don't know the difference. And it positions you as a more of an authority if it's checking with the sellers versus, oh, well, I have to call another agent. So I love that. Yep. All right, let me finish playing this. There you go. I, think got, I should have your contact info. So I will reach back out once I find it. Okay. All right. Thanks, Matt. All right. Have fun with the chicken. Thanks. <laughs> Have fun with the chicken. <laughs> okay. Good and not yeah. logical next step, but <laughs> right, exactly. Um, 
Uh, let's see. Mike Hayes says, what program are you using to record the call? So Mike, typically that's going to be, and Cher asked, what's the best way to record your calls? The best way, everybody, is use Follow-Up Boss as your CRM, um, because I love Follow-Up Boss and it works fantastically. Or use a CRM that has an, a, an internal recording feature. If the lead is coming through Zillow, it's automatically going to be recorded. But otherwise, use a CRM that offers recording. If you are using a janky CRM that doesn't have a recording feature, then you can install an app on your phone. Um, best case scenario is you get everything recorded. Um, better scenario is that you at least record some samples of calls so that if you work with a trainer like Rachel or one of our other trainers, they can play those calls like this and help you improve what you're doing. Um, I wanted to say about that call, Rachel, for the rapport building, I heard that property had acreage, right? Which is mm -hmm. an interesting point of rapport. We're not going to be buying for another two years. That's an interest, like who know who's premeditated that they won't be buying for two years. There's, there's some information around that. And then we've got chickens in the background. Right. And, you know, I, I feel like he could have done a little bit more than have fun with the chicken. You know, he could have like asked some questions. Totally. And it was, it's one of those things where I always call these rapport layups. Um, and so one of the things that I like to say is anytime somebody, a lead gives you information that you didn't ask for, they share some sort of detail that you didn't ask about, that means they're open to talking about it. So it, it's a layup, right? Dig in. You don't have to think about what questions to ask because they already told you what they want to talk about. Acreage, I'm holding a chicken, right? I'm moving sheep to all the points that you made. They they told you, hey, these are things that I'm I'm open to talking about with a stranger on the phone, right? Great. Let's let's dive in. Let's not reinvent the wheel and think of additional interview questions to ask. Let's start there and then yeah. we can questions we want to ask. Yeah. I want to tell a funny story. So one of our trainers, Chris, you know, Chris Fla, one mm -hmm. of our trainers in the course of me training him, we listened to one of his calls and he's following up with a potential buyer that he's been nurturing for a little while. And he's like, Hey man, yeah, you guys ready to get started? The potential buyer says, Oh, you know what? Um, you know, my wife's pregnant. We're giving birth to our first, uh, first child. And, you know, you know, she's due in the next couple of months, so probably won't be after that. And he goes, okay, great. So uh, uh, what month do you think you wanted to get started looking? And we play that recording. And I was like, Chris, what the hell are you doing, man? You were just like, yeah, 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 that baby stuff. So when can we sell you a house? And he like busted up laughing when he heard himself do that. Um, and so we've all, been there. we've all had the tunnel vision of, hey, I got to get the sale, right? But we all it's a mislayup, right? They gave us what they wanted to talk about. We don't even have to think about it. We just got to run with what they tell us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think a big part is active listening. You need to be present because Chris is a really good salesperson. Chris sells a lot of houses and Chris is now a trainer for us. But, you know, even then we listened to that call and he just missed it. You know, he was like in his own head, he was in the zone. He was trying to sell houses, which admirably so, but you've got to like stop and be active listening and be present with whoever this person is, right? That's so we get caught up in those kind of things. Totally. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Well, we're over time, Rachel. Thank you so much. Uh, everybody, this has been a fantastic episode. We're all lucky to get Rachel to come and spend some of her limited time with us. So thank you so much for being on Cash Call. And uh, next week, I and Brian Curtis will be back. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thanks for listening to Cash Call today. If you like what you heard, come check us out at smartsalescoaching.com and we'll be back again next week.